0: Butch is a graduate of UL Lafayette and Johns Hopkins University, where he finished in biotechnology business. Since 2011, Butch has managed clinical trials for government, pharmaceutical, and small biotechnology companies through his his own company, Vivo Research, LLC. He's worked through the Best Pharmaceutical Children's Act to help expand drug drug labels for pediatric populations and worked on numerous epilepsy, opioid abuse potential, cardiovascular stroke, and gene therapy trials. Butch is also the founder of a community organization that hosts an annual event called the 24-Hour Citizen Project. The event connects citizens with expertise and financial backers to make community-focused ideas a reality. Incredibly, the organization is responsible for nearly $130,000 in private funds toward almost 30 public projects, including downtown Lafayette Sign, to Canai, the Musical Instrument Library, the Eyes of the Sun Poetry Mural Installation, and many, many more. And I have to say, Butch, I'm honored to have you on the show. We, we were trying to figure out when we met. We met over 10 years ago. And I've watched you in the community. I'm so glad we're going to talk about your work, but you have been a force in our community, and I'm thrilled to have you share your voice. Thank you for joining us. Jason Secor is with us here taping, but thank you for being on Discover Lafayette.
1: Thank you, Jan. Happy to be here. Yeah. And I also, you know, hearing hearing my brag sheet out Mm loud— it's, it's funny. It's incredible, huh? Well, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, but, like, the most important job that I failed to put on my brag sheet was I'm a dad. Right. Right? And, like, how that's my my more than full-time job. And, like, how did I forget that?
0: Well, let's talk about it then. You're a dad of two, right?
1: I'm a, I'm a dad of two. Um, we've got two girls, Mary Frances and Juliet. Uh, the oldest is four. Mm-hmm. And then Juliet is two, and then we're expecting our first boy in August.
0: Congratulations. Thank and they you. must be beautiful. I know your wife is beautiful and you're pretty good looking yourself. So <laughs> oh, well, thank I can you. imagine how cute they are.
1: They take after their mom. They do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're look, they're great. And, mm-hmm. and look, all the all the like cliche parental things that people have shared over the years, like they're right. They are right. you, know, you never you know, you never think you could love something so much. Um, just all of, all of the things, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I remember, I remember not to jump into a birth story, but I think that this is, this is interesting. I remember whenever we were having our first born and, um, I had a good buddy of mine come into my office, you know, we were getting induced that the next day and he came to my office and he was like, man, I'm so excited for you. Like, this is going to be such a great life adventure. And I was like, "Well, tell me more." And so he goes mm-hmm. on to tell me this story, this beautiful story about how uh, he remembers his his son being born for the first time, and how he immediately fell in love with his son mm-hmm. um, at first sight, like a love at first sight kind of thing. It was a and it was a, you know beautiful. But so I was going into like being a dad is, like, with the same sort of, you know, mindset. Like, I can't wait to meet my daughter for the first time. It's going to be great. And uh, I remember in the hospital, you know, she came out. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my
0: goodness. Yeah, what like, happened? What
1: happened? <laughs> like, the uh, you know, the honest take on this is, like, it it you really have to fall in love with your kids sometimes. Like, for mm-hmm. me, it wasn't, like, a very natural thing to do. Yeah. So yeah.
0: anyway. Um, and as their personalities unfold – it Just gets better and better, and some days worse and worse. It, you know, you know that when they yeah. turn two, the terrible twos, but they're just figuring out I'm separate from my parents. Yeah. But, um, I want to tell you, I almost brought a photo today, and Jason knows both of my girls Taylor's 31 and Kelly's 24. But I have a picture at the beach with them, and Kelly was two, and Taylor was um high eight, like almost nine. And that seems like yesterday, and yet it seems like a million years ago. I know, and so people tell you this, but savor this moment yeah every moment because you you think how am i going to get through the day but in fact you'd go back anytime i would go back in a second just to you know hug those little babies that i had so oh i know it's i know precious. we
1: always we always remind ourselves to live live in the moment yeah but it's hard sometimes yeah so. it is what's yeah. how is the saying go the the days the days are long but Yeah, you know the years years fly by. The the years are short, and that's that's very true. That's
0: exactly right. So, you, um, let's talk about your background and what brought you to Lafayette. Because you were telling us before, I know that you graduated from St. Thomas Aquinas Regional Catholic High School, Mm -hmm. right? You were home home of the the Falcons. (laughs) The Burgundy never fades. (laughs) Yeah, I,
1: um, you know, I I sort of see myself as a, a legacy Lafayette guy. Um I remember as a kid always coming to Lafayette to visit my grandmother. Oh, okay. My aunt lived here. Um and you know Lafayette was always very fond. I was always very fond of Lafayette mm-hmm. growing up. Um and so I, you know, I I came to University of Louisiana Lafayette. And I, and I actually followed my sister. She was a volleyball player. She played volleyball at UL and and so I, you know, wanted to come and play football here and and that's sort of really how I landed in Lafayette initially um, was through the university and, you know, football and all the things that sports brings. Mm-hmm. What did you play? <laughs> what position? I was a quarterback um, that ended up moving to a safety after putting on a bunch of weight. But, um <laughs> But yeah, that's that's how I, I landed here and then I left and went to graduate school and um and I moved back to Hammond where I'm originally from and I came to Lafayette one weekend just to visit some friends and uh just started looking at some houses, feeling like I wanted to mm-hmm. come back to you know to to Louisiana and to Lafayette and then end up buying a little house in the St. Streets and mm-hmm. here I am today.
0: Right. So biotechnology business, did you ever think about being a doctor or did you always like the business? I did. Aspect.
1: Yeah. So, you know, when you study biology, you've, you've got to have some kind of focus, mm-hmm. you know, some, some reason to go into it unless you really have a, a keen interest in biology. Um, so, yeah, I think the intent was, was so, sort of to look at medical school and become a doctor. And I remember getting out and interviewing several doctors and just realizing that I, I wanted mm-hmm. a, a different path. Um, and I knew that I loved science and business both. Um, and started started researching some programs around the country, and I, I found this program at Johns Hopkins, which was really novel at the time. And what it what it is is it was a blend between two subjects that I love the most: science and business. And so the whole the whole course was about you know business and what the pharmaceutical and biotechnology um, sort of world looks like. Um, so anyway, that was sort of a start, an interesting industry that you you kind of don't see around here, mm-hmm. which well, always raises question marks. You know, wait, you're not you're not a landman. <laughs> like, no, no, you don't sell insurance.
0: no. i'm in I'm in biotechnology. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. These drug trials, clinical trials, things have evolved so quickly. It seems like when you graduated, that was probably the exact right moment to be in biotechnology business, right? Yeah things are evolving so fast. But, can you talk about what's involved in clinical trials and give some examples? I mean, I've I'll, I'll mentioned a few, but can you talk about your work? Yeah,
1: yeah, of course. This is, this is an area where it's a, it's a very academic environment, or at least it can be. Um, so there's a lot of expertise. Um, and I remember whenever I was in school, there was a statistic that they always threw around to kind of share uh, some context around mm-hmm. what it takes to bring a drug from development mm-hmm. to market. And at the time, it was like a study that showed, you know, it was a one in 10,000 chance taking a molecule from a lab and uh, and bringing it to market at a price tag of around 6 or $7 billion. Wow. So what you end up <laughs> with is a high likelihood of failure, mm-hmm. obviously. The odds are against you. And it's a very different industry than bringing, you know, a widget to the market, you know, where you can... Uh, you know, fail quickly and fast, regroup. right? Yeah, and and regroup funds. I mean, whenever whenever you invest in a biotech or a pharmaceutical, mm-hmm. like it's a it's a very you know very high risk, high reward type of investment. So, what what does Vivo Research do? We're involved in the operations of things. Um, so we work uh, we work to um, you know develop research protocols. We take those protocols, uh, we implement them into different research centers around the country, um, and then help facilitate the data collection and monitoring of that data for submission to the FDA.
0: So you had the pharmaceutical companies contract with you, mm-hmm. and you've got that expertise to know how to get the players together, the, the labs. I mean, correct how did you train to do this? I mean, <laughs> how do you even know what to do?
1: Yeah, it's, well, look, there's a lot of people involved. Um, and, and so the, the operations piece and the monitoring piece is, is a small part of it. And, you know, a lot of it is on the job training. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of what what I learned initially came from my experience at Johns Hopkins. It's a very, you know, it's a very research-focused university, as a lot of, a lot of folks know. And, you know, when you spend a lot of time in an industry, it just sort of becomes second second nature. Mm-hmm.
0: So you can live here in Lafayette yeah, and do this. Yeah. So
1: – Now, what's interesting <clears> is <throat> – Yeah, talk
0: about that. You're here – I mean, you probably have to travel.
1: Yeah, that's how – well, whenever I met you 10 years ago, I, I think I was probably taking four or five trips a mm-hmm. month to different cities. And, you know, I, and a lot of folks, I think, in a lot of different industries can, can say this, is that COVID sort of changed to mm-hmm. the, you know – sort of the way that we do business, um, where we were going to different research centers and hospitals and, you know, accessing their, their EMR systems. Now they've, they've sort of, you know, kind of opened up their EMRs for more remote access. So COVID had changed the industry in that way. The other way that we, you know, we saw biotech change was, you know, there was a lot of capital that dried up. Um, because we we saw a lot of programs um, that were focused on one indication. I'm thinking thinking of like uh, like a stroke study mm-hmm. um, that immediately pivoted away from all of their progress into the COVID game to try and like develop the next COVID therapeutic. Um, so anyway, COVID changed things for the better, um, but but also you know sort of made an everlasting dent
0: in the industry as a mm-hmm. whole. How do the companies fund? these billions of dollars i can't imagine that pfizer underwrites all this himself i mean are, you're probably not involved on that end but do they get angel investors help? Yeah, I,
1: I, <clears throat> how yeah how
0: do think, they do this i think a
1: lot of it's just venture capital mm-hmm. and and you know I, you know right now you know in in clinical research from an operational perspective uh, we're seeing you know with rising inflation a lot of the trials are mm-hmm. are sort of being reduced um or money is being shifted around, you know, to diversify into other platforms. So it's a um, it's an interesting time to be in clinical research right now. I think a lot of folks, when you know, when you think about the economy and rising inflation, you never think about the public health perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because, but like that's that's sort of where we are because we're relying on that capital.
0: Right. So. There might be ideas that could be pursued, but it's just too expensive and it's not realistic. Exactly. Which is sad, especially when you think about children. I know you said you work through the Best Pharmaceutical Children's Act. I mean, you want to see drugs for children, especially cancer and epilepsy, all the different things you talked about, you know, in your your bio. Yeah, you always want
1: to—you're right. mm -hmm. Um, There is—there— there is there are real patience behind the work that we do and the capital mm-hmm. that's put up. And, you know, the day that we forget that is the day that yeah. we shouldn't be in the industry anymore.
0: I'm glad you so. have that heart. <laughs> you know, I was curious. I wrote a couple of notes while you were speaking. I just found out about Mark Cuban's, is it called Cost Plus or something? I know that's on the back end. That's on, that for people that don't know, you really need to research this, like to get basic drugs. He's selling pharmaceutical drugs that are proven way past what you're, what you do, but at pennies on the dollar for what people are paying through their insurance. And I don't know if you've had exposure to that, but it's, it's unbelievable how cheap some drugs are.
1: Yeah. He, uh, I I don't know much about his model. I mean, I've heard about it. I know it's all, it's built around affordability
0: and this is 15% markup. I mean, it's very cheap for basic drugs.
1: Yeah. No, I, I look. I think it's great. You know, the the, the one piece to the you know the the multi billion process that I didn't mention is you know we we also can't forget that you've got a ten year patent usually that mm-hmm. you know that you run out. So what what happens is you've got these you know these big companies that really you know invest a lot of dollars into a product, and then you've got a set period of time to sort of make it back before the generic right. g- generic manufacturers. And and I'm no expert in that area. You know, generally that's just kind of kind of what we see. So, so it's a tough industry to be in mm-hmm. uh, when, you've got, when you've got to uh, really look out for um, sort of the financial health of a company in addition to the health of a patient population out mm-hmm. there. It's, it's very difficult. And then you mix into the politics and sort of the sentiments associated with pharmaceuticals and then. And the middleman.
0: Yeah. It's not necessarily the companies making the money, it's other yeah. third party. Yeah. So, Actors, but yeah. it's fun. Uh-huh.
1: it's it's a fun industry to be in. It's different. Um, but you know, we like it.
0: do so you work with the FDA also, you know, right.
1: indirectly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we help we help monitor and audit data so that it's sort of FDA review ready
0: mm-hmm. right. Anything else on vivo research you want to talk about? Yeah,
1: you know, i don't I don't think so.
0: okay. I, I just wanted to so. get that in because every time we speak, we don't tend to talk about your business life but that gives you the flexibility to do your civic engagement right? Yeah.
1: Yes. And and you know, I I think my my travel schedule for my community work years ago, shoot 10 years ago right around the time that I met you, you know, I found myself in living in hotels and I was completely disconnected from Lafayette. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, at the time I was going through leadership Lafayette program and it was great and it was sort of this eye opening experience where you you learn that like wait like I should care about my community right like we should associate you know our community with the word love and like all of these things and and so I felt really lonely um, coming back and like dreaming about what my work in the community could look like from a hotel room in Cincinnati it was just a really oh really strange dynamic yeah. so mm-hmm. what we what we had done was started a community crowdfunding website um, your class what's that
0: your class I'm sorry
1: you? I said we yeah it was like me and a buddy okay and uh, because it was the only way like what, that I could feel what connected. we're gonna do
0: yeah I'm in Cincinnati <laughs> yeah. which is not fun
1: <laughs> no it's not fun and it's the winter so you know you mix that together uh but, yeah, it was the only way that, we could feel, that I could feel connected to Lafayette mm-hmm. was sort of like, you know, building this community crowdfunding website and, uh, what and try- was the first, trying to push projects. What was
0: the first uh, thing oh. you were funding? Do you remember?
1: Yeah. Oh, do I remember? The first project that we funded was a parklet downtown.
0: Ah, <gasps> oh, yeah.
1: And I had, you know, Kate Durio is a good friend mm-hmm. of mine, and um, I went to her. I was like, hey, I'm building this really cool website. Like, do you have any great ideas and, you know,
0: She's always got great ideas. Yeah, we call her yeah.
1: Citizen Kate because she's like, <laughs> you know, she's always got great ideas, and so she came up with this idea to to put up a parklet. And so the first question was like, "Well, can we do this?" And she's like, "Don't ask that question," you know.
0: <laughs> um, don't ask permission.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. This is one of those where we we ask for forgiveness, uh, and I don't. She probably didn't say that, so don't quote me. But um, but yeah, it, how did it go? It. Uh, we launched on a Thursday. I'll never forget. I was in an airport headed home. We launched on a Thursday, and um, we needed like sixteen hundred bucks to build the parklet, and it was funded in four and a half hours.
0: <gasps> oh my gosh! I know. Wow, you were flying home, and it was yeah, it was, taking place
1: exactly. And the website didn't break, which was a great thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what we so what we learned was like the people really care about their public spaces,
0: especially when they can see. Like I'm given fifty bucks. And yeah. it's gonna go to the place I wanted to go to. Yeah. I think that's, wasn't that the key?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you, you can know. drive past the parklet every day and know mm-hmm. that you helped build it. I mean, you know, if you take the crowdfunding concept in general, where we have, you know, like I've made donations on Kickstarter, Indiegogo to strangers, to artists that live across the country, and like I'll never know what their work is like, mm-hmm. right? So but imagine putting a project in the public sphere. It's a mural that you pass on your way of, to work every day. It's a parklet that you mm-hmm. eat at and then all of a sudden there is there is this really sincere, eager interest in public
0: work. Mm-hmm. Who was your buddy? Was it a leadership Lafayette buddy? Um,
1: it was it, it was actually uh, one of my sister's friends that uh, that lived from New York came came to Lafayette, lived here for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And we lost her to New York. Oh, God. Oh, no, heartbreaking. Shoot. Yeah. I know.
0: Maybe our community crowdfunding website wasn't successful enough. It's a crowdsource <laughs> to get her back, you know, get her flight back. So yeah. what? how did it grow from there? Because I know now you've been doing this for several years now, and you've done a lot of public projects. But how did it – what happened? You decided we need to make this bigger? Yeah.
1: Well, we, we had a stroke of confidence after that park lit. So we were like, let's go after another project. So we uh, – we we partnered with another project, um, and we had a big launch, and the website just crashed wow. and burned. I Too mean, many people, or just no? A- it was just you know. Look, you've got a you've got a researcher trying to build a website, and we realized yeah. like this was a really bad idea, you know. Um, so the the so what what we learned after the second launch and third project was like we were spending so much time. Yeah
0: maintaining this website. We could have just given the money to like, the project, right? We could have given the money.
1: <laughs> I, I, we were, <laughs> That's you know, a horrible
0: realization. Yeah,
1: exactly. And like, we could have given the money to the project. We could have given the time to the project. Mm-hmm. And we would also, we could be giving resources to the project. And so it forced us to sort of take a step back and rethink, like, what are we doing here? We're also, we've also created a website where, like, we could take any community project and put it on Kickstarter or, 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 like, GoFundMe, whatever. And so, like, let's not create something that's already been created. Um, so that was the first thought. The second was, like, man, we live in a place where, like, people love a party. Um, <laughs> and, and like That's an
0: understatement. That's an
1: understatement. And we put a festival on the end of everything mm-hmm. so that, like, you know, people will show up. So we had this idea to essentially throw a celebration of community Mm -hmm. um, and call it this thing called the 24-Hour Citizen Project. Um, And so that, in 2016, we launched this concept called the 24-Hour Citizen Project, and it's sort of like Shark Tank for community Mm -hmm. projects.
0: So people get their thoughts together and they come pitch. Exactly. And then you pick. Several and you pick
1: several, yeah. Mm-hmm. However much money you have available in the pot, that's how much money you distribute.
0: How do you raise the money, Butch? To be <sighs> ready for that, is that an ongoing thing?
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? Honestly, the first couple of years, I reached out to ten friends and just said, "Bring ten th- bring a thousand bucks,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and like just trust us." And so the first couple of years, we—that's sort of what we did. You mm-hmm. know, reached out to. People And then we realized that, like, this is something that the business community can rally behind. Mm These are, you know, these are projects that I think everyone can love. And so it's a combination of businesses, you know, just people that just love community that, Mm -hmm. you know, come serve as the backers.
0: Is it a 501c3? Is it nonprofit? It is. So people can give and feel good and also get it.
1: Exactly. And, and, and the community crowdfunding website was called civicside.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we ended up keeping that name just because we liked it um, and, uh, and then sort of morphed into this concept called the 24-Hour Citizen Project. So Civicside is our nonprofit that hosts mm-hmm. the 24-Hour Citizen
0: Project. Right, right. I know you had your phone open to some of your projects. You want to tell us some of the things that stand out to you for some of the work that's been done?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the question that I always get is like, what's your favorite project? And like, that mm. is an unfair question. You know, we've the got— The latest one. <laughs> yeah, like the latest one or the one that made me cry. Or, mm-hmm. um, but it's uh, it, it, it's an unfair question because there's so, there's so many. Um,
0: well, let's think about the downtown Lafayette sign. I can't think of how many people— have enjoyed that and painted it and posed in front of it. What a simple thing that's. I know. It's just so giving.
1: I know. Uh, that's another Kate Durio oh, sort is of it? spearheaded project. Yeah, and um, you know, it was we we actually did some creative funding on that project. It's um, uh, you know obviously businesses were a big part of the funding, but we also threw a birthday party for I think it was a September birthday. Um, and it was there was a Downtown Alive, and so we recruited a bunch of friends that had their birthday in September, and we threw them a party and told them to invite their friends. And we said, instead of going to dinner and spending money on mm-hmm. gifts, we want you to donate your money to a letter. And so with the, the money from that birthday party, they funded a letter. So anyway, that's a fun fact. That I don't think a lot of people no. know about when yeah. they think about the letter. So Why Lafayette's another one. Cruda Canai, I think, it's a really visible— mm-hmm.
0: Um, when did that come about? Has it been three or four th- years?
1: Yeah, I think in 2018, they mm-hmm. competed in the 24-Hour system Project in Five one. Years. yeah. Yeah. A- another one that comes to mind is, is the Musical Instrument Library. We' yeah, I do know Cosmez. about that. Oh, mm. yeah. So this is a guy that we, you know, we do these um, – we recruit ideas all, all year long, and we do these things called idea exchanges, which um, we used to call um, idea speed dating, you know, where you, like, come and you share your idea for three minutes and you jump from table to table. Mm-hmm. But what we realized is we did a poor job communicating what it was in our Facebook post. So we had people showing up thinking they were going to, you know, go on a date. Oh. Yeah, I know. So really awkward.
0: <laughs> With you, probably. Huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Even worse.
1: Uh, but anyway, we were hosting one of those events and Ryan Contreras oh showed up. And he had this great idea to install a musical instrument library in the library. Mm-hmm. So, like you could go, like you could go check out a book. You go and check out your flute or your trumpet or your guitar or your fiddle in the same way that you were to book. So that
0: sounds like an expensive project. Like, uh, people contribute people to it, or was it all new, newly bought all, instruments? All donated instruments. Okay. okay. Yeah,
1: and and so that project's living on today. But
0: getting it organized took
1: yeah, yeah funds. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But you got to – Look, they, all of these projects sort of take on their own, you know, their own thing, right? I mean. That project needed the library's participation. It needed 5000 bucks, and it needed a team to sort of push it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it got. That's why it was successful. We've got art projects or mural projects. Um, we've got projects in education. We've got food pantry projects. There was one in Oasis that was built. Um, and one of my favorite things that comes out of this a lot of times is, you know, you have like, um, you know, this we call it the Oasis Food Pantry. They needed like 3000 bucks to build a food pantry. In their neighborhood, and as people started finding out about the project, they had they had contractors wanting to do pro bono work. So, you know, their three thousand bucks was to build one food pantry, but they came in so under budget that now they've identified different areas in the community to mm-hmm. like, yeah, and so. that'll
0: make you cry when you think about that generosity.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And would you define where Oasis is for people that may not know?
1: It is. Um, I'm like pointing spot. right now. Yeah,
0: north, <laughs> north, it's on left, the north yeah. Side. yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then we got a couple of projects this year that are ongoing. Um, you know, like this uh, actually festival is on the horizon coming up this weekend. So we've got a sensory safe space for kids to go to that have sort of sensory uh, sensitivity. Uh, so it'll be a tent with a bunch of fun sensory things. Um, inclusive prom. We just had a seed library that had a ribbon cutting last week in the library. I saw they're giving
0: out seeds as yeah. well as books. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That, so that was a 24 hour mm-hmm. citizen project. Sure was. Wow. Sure was. Yeah. So it's just a bunch of cool stuff, you know? So how does it feel, you know, to, to have this idea and follow your heart? Like how, how does it feel?
1: Oh man. What a great question. I, you know, I always think about the impact of our work. And, you know, frankly, I, you know, we've been doing this for seven years. And as you know, it's very difficult to do the same thing year after year for a long time and, and to continue to love it. And so the thing that really keeps us going is, you know, the idea that we rely on citizens mm-hmm. to do the work and on their ideas. So it's a very people-powered concept, you know, where like all we're doing is sort of, you know, doing some project management. We're putting people in touch with folks that we already know and just watching people do good work. And so when you look at it with that lens, it's sort of a no-brainer, like this is a thing you want to continue Mm -hmm. to do. Mm
0: -hmm. And without you embarrassing anyone, I'm thinking about all the love that comes out of it and the wonderful ideas. Have you had some ideas pitched that were just ridiculous? No.
2: <laughs> yes, tell us, please. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> this is when Jason gets excited. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just uh, oh, like no. oh it's a very yeah. fair question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we always say no idea is a bad
0: idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but they may not win yeah, 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 the, yeah. the competition. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. but I mean you've got to understand too, there is a Year year one, we, there was sort of this open call for ideas, right? <laughs> and we ended up with, like, really great ideas. Um, but after that, we ended up having a selection committee
0: because we get so many ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't want to be the one yourself, you know, no, just yeah, yeah. making the Yeah, the leave the
1: dirty work up to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, so you know, the the ideas that land on stage are, like, you know, vetted, selected ideas. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, we all—look, here's the thing. We have this tendency to hold ideas, like, close to the vest, right? Like, there, there is a level of courage that it takes to share ideas, period.
0: Because mm-hmm. um, you don't want to be laughed at or just go, well, that's—you know, we exactly. can't do that. Yeah.
1: And, yeah. and you don't want to suppress someone's vision for the community, you know, bad, good, or ugly, Um so, you know, like we sort of – we take every idea seriously no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, I could tell you there are some, I've, there's some projects that that we have done that like are just very difficult to execute and we've just screwed things up, you know? Really? Yeah. Like I, like I think about a project called Hydrate Lafayette where we set out to install eight water fountains. Around the community, right? Like runners, I didn't know this because I'm not like a big runner, but like runners build their running routes yeah. around water stations. Oh, really? That could be a hose. Like if you if you ever run near Bendell, there's like water fountains in front of people's houses behind their mailbox. It's like this hidden gym here in the community. And uh that was just one of those projects where, you know, we wanted to install, you know, 15 water stations. We wanted to put it you know, build a marathon loop around the water station. And it's so, but what we ended up with is like a whole bunch of barriers and difficulties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if it's a great idea, sometimes the execution is just ugly and you have to own it. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: But it's still an idea that needs to be done possibly, and it could be done, but at a different level, yeah. right? Like that yeah. would take probably government and business cooperation
1: yeah. yeah well you know what it was it was kind of cool because it does sound expensive to we, do too that too and we ended up um, installing eight water fountains in people's front yards
0: so they volunteered so they to so have yeah
1: they donate the water they donated the space like
0: and they pay for it well are they cooled or w- they're
1: like regular just you know? that, that was another thing. We wanted, mm-hmm. like, dog bowls. We wanted cool water. Yeah, like, cool at the par- water. Yeah, to like park. we totally overshot this project. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are basically drinking hose
0: water out of a, That's okay. a glorified water If fountain. it's August and you're running, <laughs> oh, yeah. not that I'm running, but yes. I'm sure a hose would be a welcome sight. Just, you know, exactly. pour it over your head. yeah That's funny. Gosh. Yeah. Well, um, I wanted to get in all your work with the 24-Hour Citizen Project. And I also wanted you to touch on what you do with the Louisiana— Public Trust Financing Authority. And that's probably supposed to be Lafayette yeah. Public Trust yeah. Financing LPTFA. Authority. Yeah, LPTFA. So that's something people hear about, but kind of tell us what you guys do.
1: Yeah, so it's, you know, it's it's a public trust. Um, and, you know, one of the m- more visible things that I think people see for LPTFA is, is sort of the campus area that's on the outskirts of downtown off of Congress. Um, and there's a number of, you know, there's a first-time home program mm-hmm. um, that has been set up for years, and I think made an impact in the community. Yeah. I used um, to work with that. It's okay. there's a lot of good. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good there.
0: Yeah. Um, but
1: there's some there's some developments that that are happening right now that, you know, you know the way that I look at it, and and I think if you you ask all the trustees of the LPTFA, you might get a different answer. But you know, we're 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 investing in an area um of town that like i think i think would appreciate the investment Mm -hmm. um and so anyway if you're driving along congress you'll see a you know a, a big brick building along along the left if you're headed towards the railroad tracks and it's our most recent development um and we recently hired, I say recently over the last couple of years hired Kevin Blanchard. Right. Yep.
0: He's our executive director. Because yeah, before it was pretty much volunteers, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, all, it was all
1: volunteer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Arsenault was the chair. Um, and so just sort of the, the organization has transformed and really, you know, began making a big, you know, footprint in the community. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're proud of of that work.
0: How do you get on a board like that? Oh, goodness. That's yeah. an appointed position. I Yeah, know it's, it's an appointed volunteer. position. Yeah, through the council, uh-huh. um, the city or the the parish council, I guess. I th- I think it's the is it city? I think it's council? city council. Yeah, um, it's important for people to volunteer for boards. It is, it, and it's one of those things as you get
1: busier that it's easy to turn turn your head to right, but it's um, it's you know one of those impacting things that you you can make in the community.
0: Mm-hmm. You've also been a um, TED speaker.
1: Uh, <laughs> what did you speak on? Oh, my gosh. I don't know why I didn't tell you this earlier, but this is sort of the story of the 24-Hour Citizen Project. I I had, you know, TED was coming to town, TEDx. Mm-hmm. Um, a group of students at UL were bringing TEDx here, and one of them reached out and was like, Butch, you, you've got to give a talk. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like I'm terrified of speaking in public. So I had another friend challenge me, and I came up with this concept called the 48 hour citizen project (laughs) and it was basically a rip on um, the 48 hour film prize so it's an organization that goes around the country and basically you get a bunch of filmmakers together everyone draws a genre out of a hat and they go with their camera Mm -hmm. and their red bull and they make a film in 48 hours and they submit it for a prize that's it so you've got a tight timeline you've got you know creatives getting work done it's like, wait a minute, we should, we should do this in, you know, on a community scale. Um, so anyway, so I pitched this idea called the 48-Hour Citizen Project, which then became the 24-Hour Citizen Project, and here we are seven years later.
0: Isn't that something? You
1: know, it's powerful, Jan, when you get up in front of people and share an idea. Mm-hmm. And that's what you do at TED. Um, because, like, be
0: careful for what you say because you might have to do it. Right, you know. Right, right. Jason, you have any questions? I, I just find Butch to be—you're so endearing, and oh. everything you touch reeks of quality and, and kindness. So, thank you for sharing yourself. And I've seen Jason over here smiling. Just yeah, well, I've got a few questions. Us. I mean,
2: <laughs> what's your favorite project? Uh, <laughs> I'm just—I'm jo- joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but I, but on that um, on the 24-hour citizen project. Looking, looking down the line, is there something that you have in mind in the back of your head that you've kind of been tw- tw- twisting on for a while that you'd really like to do, but maybe it's just, it's too hard to execute or it, the pieces aren't coming together.
1: Man, I, that's a good question. I always get that question tied with a why can't we do a big project, a project that costs a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars, mm. and that sounds great, like. Certainly. Like, we would love to do a project, you know, that costs that much. But there is some beauty in the smallness oh, of yeah. the work that we do, right? These are these are not intended to be these big impact projects on a singular level. They're intended to be sort of these micro successes, you know, where Kruda Kanai needs $5,000 to do one parade and they execute that Walking parade, and then all of a sudden, you know, five, six years later, you know, they've sort of Mm -hmm. done this thing time and time again and has generated community support. Um, And so there's a bunch of different examples like that. So, you know, projects are small for a reason. There's no big projects that are out there that come to mind.
2: Gotcha. So it's a tough question to answer then, because you want the big ones, but that's not really what the focus is.
1: Exactly, and and you know we want a high likelihood of success, right? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. right. So if Jason has this this idea, like he, he, you know, it can't be too big where you don't end up executing it because you've got a full time job and kids at home, right? Yeah. But I always get get the question too. Well, what about the twenty four hour citizen project? It's, I mean, it's had some great success here in Lafayette, and you know is this a model that you can share with other communities? And so we take that very seriously. Um, we've had other communities reach out to us actually every year. Actually, I had a, you know, a, a guy that lives in outside of Portland reach out, me, reach out to me today about wanting to host something similar or, you know, taking the brand and doing it in their community. So we're looking at that. Uh, we just have to make sure it doesn't impede the work that we're doing here.
2: That makes sense. That makes sense. So as far as – so me and my significant other, we sit at home and – she's from Minneapolis and Wisconsin. I'm from Detroit to Los Angeles. So we've – I've seen all the country, been to all 50 states. And so as we drive around, we're like, it'd be great if this area had this or they'd be great. <laughs> so say I'm driving around and I have 10 ideas in my head. How do I get a hold of the Citizen Project and yeah. start pitching this stuff to you?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for asking that. Um, so – June, around the middle of June, I wish I knew the date off the top of my head, um, we are going to be launching open applications for ideas. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, like, we've got this really intense period. I say intense. It's intense for our team. Yeah. Where where we're doing these idea exchanges I talked about, where we're going out into the community, in some cases knocking on doors in neighborhoods, asking for people's ideas. Um, okay. And so, whenever we do that launch in June, there will be applications available for Jason to put all of his ideas. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In, into like a thing, and it sends it to our team. But there will also be opportunities for you to come, sit down, and tell us about your idea.
2: Okay. I so say, how fleshed out does the idea have to be? Not fleshed out at all.
0: Okay. Really? You don't have to know what it would cost. You just kind of.
1: No, because one of the open thing- the door exactly one of the things that we realized in doing this is that Jason, as capable as he is, has an idea but doesn't know how to get that idea done, and mm-hmm. that's and that's okay. So we'll take that idea, and it's still your idea, but we'll connect you with expertise. We'll connect you with city officials. We'll connect you with okay. all of the different players in the
0: community to help Jason get his idea done. That's mm.
2: awesome. All right, I'm going to start writing on my ideas.
0: <laughs> Where Please. do they go? Uh, is it civicside.com or is it 24-Hour Yeah, so project? we've
1: got there, – so there's two places they could go. You can go to civicside.com um, and, or they could go to 24hourcitizenproject.com. Obviously, we're on all the social channels, on okay. Facebook, mm-hmm. on Instagram. Um, so, yeah, it's hard – it's not hard to f- find us. Okay.
2: Cool. Well, Facebook—that's everybody's got that now. Yeah, so, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, yeah. It's kind of the internet right now. Yeah.
1: yeah. Not my 16-year-old cousin, but
2: yes. Oh, f- fair yeah. enough. Yeah.
1: She only has TikTok.
2: Okay. Oh. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> jumped on that bandwagon yet. I don't know. You'll get there. I'm sure I will. <laughs> um, jumping back to Viva Research, so I remember years ago we had somebody on in the medical field, and you know they started talking about wearables, you know, and mm-hmm. like, and I didn't think that I would have a watch on me that was measuring the decibel level around me and monitoring my heart nonstop. Looking ahead several years, have you seen anything come across your desk that's like this is going to be something that we all have that nobody really knows it yet?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. The, the only thing that comes to mind, and I'm really excited about this concept and it's sort of in the field a little bit, is using biometric monitoring in research. Mm-hmm. So currently— the, the model, like if there was a traditional model for conducting a clinical study in an outpatient environment, if you come into the clinic, we do standard workups, we give you, you know, whatever, 60 capsules of the investigational product to treat whatever indication that you came in with, you go home, we might give you a diary where you could document, you know, what you're mm-hmm. feeling like, and you bring that paper diary back into the clinic. And so it's interesting that Research is supposed to be so progressive, yet our process and operations mm. yeah. is old school. so old school. So, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we could stick a biometric monitoring device around your, you know, around your heart yeah. or around your leg? And then all of a sudden, you know, this subjective piece of paper that you bring back where we identify safety issues is actually, you know, a data transfer.
0: And so much more
1: accurate. So much more accurate. Yeah. That
2: makes sense. Is it, so we're kind of still at the beginning of the whole biosensor thing, right? It seems like we haven't even, like, scratched the surface. It's just a watch, right? What about if I'm wearing shoes that are keeping track of things and pants that are keeping track of things and glasses? And yeah. there,
1: hmm. There's a – yes. I mean, for, in in my world right now, mm-hmm. yeah, we're – it's sort of scratching the surface. Like, we're not – I'm not using it in any of my trials, Got right? You. Um But, like, I know that there are folks out there that have been on this train for Mm -hmm. the last four years, and they're on the cutting edge of it, and I just don't know about
0: it. Okay. All right. And you (laughs) know what I'm thinking, Jason? With the FDA, you have to follow what they say to do, and they have regulations. That's an administrative process. So you would try to be progressive, and maybe not. Your trial wouldn't count in their eyes. And and
1: I think the FDA has good intent to be progressive Mm -hmm. as well. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's sort of one of these things, you know, you, in order to do something like this, right, you want there to be regulations because at at, at the end of it, the FDA is going to be looking at the data for Mm -hmm. a decision. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's sort of, you've got to engage, you know, with the FDA throughout the whole process.
2: That makes sense. I always forget about, yeah. All the extra—not red tape necessarily, but more or less, yeah. 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 Following guidelines and, and regulations. approach. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, so finally, we were talking about your high school photo uh, before we started this podcast. Oh, it's cute. <laughs> What—if if you could have a conversation with that version of you, oh. what, would, what kind of advice would you give him? Oh, wow. Oh. It's one of my favorite questions to ask. And while I know, he's I know thinking, it puts you on the spot.
0: But, he yeah. was selected as the 2018 Distinguished Graduate, so not only is he a Falcon— but oh, he's been honored by yes, his peers, yes.
1: yes. Yes. So what would
0: you tell that young man?
1: Uh you know, ah uh,
0: that's tough. Uh, I don't know. Okay. That's the honest answer. You think you're the same as you were? Like have you that's, Were you pretty much the same, you know, faith? That,
2: that's
1: that's mm. sort of the that, that's sort of what I was thinking in my head. Where, you know, uh, I don't know that I have any regrets of the course from high school to now. Okay, the trajectory mm-hmm. has just been yep. consistent and, um, yeah. Like I th- I think the the way that you always answer that question is to go like ooh, I really wish I shouldn't have done, I wish I wouldn't have done this. So I'm going to give advice to like not do that thing.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's all sort of worked out. Okay, Mm -hmm. fair. I mean, there's the obvious ones, save more money. and uh, that's boring. Yeah, well, it is boring, right? I think the comment that you said is live in the moment, right? That's what kind of made me think of that. Looking back on my 20 years since high school, there are certain moments where I wish I was more present. Yeah. And that's, And I'm not going to be able to get those back. Mm -hmm. So, but again, when you're 20, you're not thinking about the moment. You're thinking about tomorrow and the next day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I I could agree with that. I mean, I, I, I see that mindset more now, like being a dad and having kids, Mm -hmm. but like literally every, you know, every time I, my kid's like, daddy, hold me. And I'm exhausted and, like, I don't I don't want to pick that kid up at that moment. I just want to go and do whatever the thing that I was walking across the house to do. Yeah. I know one day that. They won't ask. She's not going to ask. No. She's not going to call me. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, being present in those moments are important. Mm-hmm. In the same way I was in my 20s, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, taking yeah. trips across the world. Yeah. Doing all the things that
0: yeah.
1: you, know, you might want to. Do in your twenties, living out of your car,
0: living on friends' couches. Yeah, but you've living. lived an exciting life, you know. Yeah, you've been very fortunate because you seized, you seized it, you seized the moment. Yeah, a lot yeah, of I'm people, really lucky. Yeah, really? haven't had that. So, um, it's beautiful. Yeah,
2: awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, for being here today, and Jan, thank you for letting me ask you oh, questions. I appreciate it. Yeah,
0: it's my pleasure. So, Butch Roussel, um, Viva Research LLC and founder of the 24-Hour Citizen Project. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. For taking time out of your day to be here. In the beautiful Raider Studios, Jason Secor, thank you for taping this. of us. course. Thank you. Make it so professional. I'm so lucky. This is our sixth year. I don't know if you knew that. So we're consistent. Every week it comes out. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. And also you can go to our website, discoverlafayette.net, You can check out Butch's interview along with over 300 others. Very proud of the library that we have. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, thank you for listening. I'm Jan Swift.